0: it's easier to prevent illness than cure it. And 80% of most of the things that plague us here in America, heart disease, stroke, obesity, cancer, diabetes, hypertension, et cetera, uh, 80% of these are preventable or delayable based on lifestyle, meaning how we move our bodies and what we eat. And so I was like, okay, well that seems like um, something I can do personally. So for the last 20 years, I've been focused on my own health and wellness journey and making sure I take the steps necessary to be the best version of myself and hopefully delay or prevent any of these chronic uh, and potentially terminal illnesses. And then I realized, why is it, why are so many Americans dealing with it? Why are so many of my friends, you know, dealing with it? And I realized that what we consume every day, what we eat is a direct correlation to the problem. And I learned that, you know, the average American eats fast food 3.2 times a week.
1: Hey, what's up everybody we have for you today a brand new episode of the none of your business podcast and we're super excited uh, for this very special guest um he's been making the rounds on the podcast circuit he's also though making the rounds in social media and on many stages you're hearing him talk all about the fast-growing phenom called ever and i'm super excited to dig in so learn more about Everbowl, what it is, what they're doing, and all of the great lessons that you are going to be able to apply into your business. You know, it's always better when somebody has cut their teeth and learned the lessons for you. And I hope that you always find value here on the None of Your Business podcast in hearing from other people that have shortened the learning curve for you by going out there and doing some trial and error, learning some really cool stuff while at the same time making a massive impact on the world. You're gonna love this episode. Let's bring in Jeff Benster. He is the founder, the actual original OG Everbowl guy. Jeff, welcome to the Nut of Your Business podcast.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, been excited to, to come on your show. Huge fan of you and the podcast. And um, again, really appreciate the opportunity. So thank you for having me today.
1: So we always start off <laughs> podcast with the same question, but I'm thinking like you're probably you're probably tired of answering this question. But I think just for some context for the viewers and listeners, um, let's talk a little bit about your creation story. Um, how do we end up talking here together? What is this whole Everbowl thing?
0: Sure. Um, I mean, Everbowl actually started as a little bit of a passion project. I had sold a few companies in the past um, and was kind of living a little bit of a semi-retired life in 20 into 2015 beginning of 2016 and uh i jokingly say you know my i was driving my wife and kids crazy so they said go do something you're passionate about because you being at home with your energy is just too much for us and so um go sink your teeth into something <clears throat> and so i started Everbowl really as a passion project because i outside of my family and outside of the businesses that I started health and wellness is kind of near and dear to my heart and I'm a bit of a hypochondriac, which means I'm a little bit afraid of illness, you know, cancer and dying of illnesses and the internet was uh, dangerous for me because you start to Google symptoms and how do you prevent this and how do you prevent that and what I've learned is it's easier to prevent illness than cure it. And 80% of most of the things that plague us here in America, heart disease, stroke, obesity, cancer, diabetes, hypertension, et cetera, uh, 80% of these are preventable or delayable based on lifestyle, meaning how we move our bodies and what we eat. And so I was like, okay, well that seems like um, something I can do personally. So for the last 20 years, I've been focused on my own health and wellness journey and making sure I take the steps necessary to be the best version of myself. And hopefully delay or prevent any of these chronic uh, and potentially terminal illnesses. And then I realized, why is it, why are so many Americans dealing with it? Why are so many of my friends, you know, dealing with it? And I realized that what we consume every day, what we eat is a direct correlation to the problem. And I learned that, you know, the average American eats fast food 3.2 times a week. And so I said, hey, I can help solve this problem. My passion is health and wellness. I import all these superfoods into my house. I'm always force feeding my family and friends when they come over different fun concoctions from all over the globe that are high in antioxidants and high in this. Um, and I was like, I, you know what? I'm a serial entrepreneur. I start companies without experience. I know how to do that business side. So why don't I start a restaurant called at the time? Uh, wasn't called Everbull, but it came up with the name. Uh, why don't I, I had this idea? Why don't I start a restaurant that serves superfoods? and?" help make affordable or help help make healthy food, affordable, filling, delicious and accessible to the masses. And um, those four things I just said were the culmination of some, you know, some research I did into asking people and understanding why we eat bad every day. Like, why are we eating fast food so often? Why are we eating food that we know is not good for us when the information is prevalent, right? It's like smoking. We all know smoking is bad for us. Why do we do it? And it's like, oh, well, we're addicted to smoking. Well, that's what smokers are. Uh, why are we addicted to unhealthy food? And so, um, I came up with four excuses that pretty much culminate everyone's answer. And it is: it either costs too much to eat healthy, it doesn't taste good, it doesn't leave you full and satisfied, or you just can't get it and you're in a hurry. Hence, fast food. So, Everbowl was built to be affordable, filling, delicious, and accessible, and address those four main excuses and make that part of the process. And so, I started Everbowl as a passion project and. Fast forward six years later, we have uh, 60 plus open stores, 350 sold that will be opening. We're in 15 states and hopefully going to be in all 50 states here in the next couple of years.
1: I have no doubt about that. I'm watching the growth trajectory and it's absolutely amazing. I'm going to come back to Everbowl. I'm obviously a massive fan of the four things. For me, um, it doesn't taste good. There are other acai bowl options that exist in the world and I was exposed to to them when I was living in California, they're all over the place. And most of them tasted terrible, like dirt. Um, and when I first experienced ever I was like, well, I'll be dang, this is like healthy ice cream. This is, this is healthy dessert. <laughs> this is unbelievable, but I'm going to roll it back even further. Cause I'm going to fact check, um, our good friend. I've heard the story many times, um, that. Uh, Dave Meltzer told me that you approached him when you were super young, and I, I, this is so admirable, if it's true, that you approached him super young and said, I want mentorship. And he had said to you, like, okay, well, I'll do that. It was like on a Sunday morning or something on a park bench, and you had to gather some people to to participate. Is, is that a true story?
0: Kind of. Uh, it's a version of the of the reality. Um, so Dave and I go back. I've known Dave since I was four years old and he was in high school. Um, our moms worked together. Uh, my mom was a teacher. His mom was the principal. And so we were family friends and I've known his family and been, you know, he's he's basically a, my brother, my older brother. Uh, he used to come watch me play Little League. When I was in high school, you know, he was entering the workforce. He was graduated law school and he was already now in corporate America doing business, uh, you know, he was the, at one point, he was the CEO of a, the first smartphone, which was called PCE phone. Um, and I did approach him in high school. And I did say, Hey, I'd like to, to learn from you, I had the foresight to understand that it's not what you know, it's who you know, and I can expedite the what I know with the who I know. So being around someone like Dave and his sphere of influence and being around smart, sophisticated people, I can elevate myself and learn things that I probably wasn't going to get, you know, working just at Domino's as a 16, 17, 18 year old. So um, I did go to him for mentorship. He did make me do a whole lot of fun little tasks like aggregating people around park benches. Um, You know, he had this uh, whole host of companies. Now, Dave also had, I mean, being an entrepreneur himself, you know, over those years, I I helped him or, or interned with or worked for probably six or seven companies that he was associated with. Um, you know, back when the internet was first coming to be, I uh, used to go door to door to auto dealerships on his for his for his company, and he created a technology and ran a company that had the technology which would make a vehicle drive on the screen. So think about the internet. And if you have Toyota dealership, originally, it was just a static image of a car, and his technology would have let the car drive right across the screen. And so that was kind of um, unique and revolutionary. And so I had a lot of fun working for Dave over the years, having him be my first and most, uh, not strongest, but my most involved mentor that I got to learn from. And, you know, I used to curse at him and love him and hug him and hate him and all the emotions, you know, throughout our journey together because he was also family. And so, uh, yes, Dave has been instrumental in, in my life over the course of the last, you know, I'm. 39, and I've known him since I was four, so 35 years. Well,
1: I, you know, I think that that's a, a very interesting um, attribute that a lot of people honestly struggle with to just one reach out for help. I think that's admirable too. Maybe to someone that you look up to. Maybe you thought like, well, you know, yes, family aside, um, you know, he's got things going on. He's probably not going to want to help me. And then fast forward to today, you know. If somebody could just steal your phone um you know the contacts in your phone are incredibly incredibly impressive let's give some guidance or advice to people on how you've managed to build such strong relationship capital how do you get over that how do you ask for help and how do you approach these people that maybe you hold in high regard
0: i'm so glad we're touching on this topic so um, i'm gonna do a little plug just because i think it's the most important skill that anyone listening um relationship capital is everything i'm not standing here today in front of you but for my relationship capital and how i've harnessed that that asset over the last 35 years um and so on linkedin if you're a linkedin premium member it's free if you're not just hit me up and i'll send it to you for free but i have a course that i did for linkedin legitimately on it's called relationship bank account um and it's the power of relationships and i have a book coming out on relationship bank account uh, it's called relationship bank account and i have a podcast coming out on it so this is near and dear to my heart um and it is the tool that we use without realizing we use it and everyone has kind of said oh that person got this job because they're so-and-so's brother or they're so-and-so's sister um we all understand nepotism is real we all understand that who you know is more important than what you know, and what doors it can open. And so I fortunately was around smart people when I was young, like Dave and others and had the ability to realize that, because I knew Dave, I was in this room with athletes and and rock stars in, in corporate America, and all of these different functions, and my peers were not, right. And I had friends, you know, I went to law school to be a sports agent, and I had friends who were agents. And I realized that Everyone wants to be around them. Why why can I get access because of who I know. And so all of these life events kind of showed me what the power of relationship capital can do for you and me. Um, And so then it was about how do you harness it. And so it's a whole host of different tactics. A lot of people make the mistake of doing what I call making withdrawals, which means they're always asking for something. And we all have that friend or that acquaintance that every time they call they need a favor they need a favor and you you say yes but eventually you get tired of it you dodge their calls and you stop right so the way to build true relationship capital with someone is lead with value find ways to make what i call deposits into your relationship bank account with with that person or that uh that company to where you're providing value to them and earn the right to make a withdrawal or an ask when it's necessary in your life and just like real money if you have if you always make withdrawals, you're going to be broke and have no money in your bank account. So the more deposits you can make into your own personal financial bank account and having all access to that capital, if and when you need it, that's called wealth. The same thing applies with relationships. So things you can do is find ways to immediately add value. And so one simple trick that works very well is, especially in today's world, is everyone wants to get an introduction to somebody, right? So We have a lot of people who have podcasts today. Um, We have a lot of people who have companies. So very easy, like if it was me and you and I just met you and I know you have this podcast, maybe there's someone I know that would be a great fit for your podcast. And I would ask you very specific questions to get to the uh, point where you define for me what it is you need or what it is that I can help you with. So it could be like simple of, you know, if it's a networking in a business environment, it could be like, okay, hey, um, You know, we're chatting. Tell me about your business. What are the what are three of the biggest problems that you're facing today in your company or with your podcast? Are you struggling with guests? Are you struggling with getting to, you know, getting listeners? What can what is the problems you're dealing with? And as that person is explaining to you what those challenges are that they're facing, you should be actively listening and saying, okay, how can I help? How can I add value? And the key to that? And it's I'm going to steal it. It's it's actually a Dave Meltzer ism, uh, but I'm going to steal it. and, And so today it'll be a Jeffism. is be more interested than interesting, right? So often we want to talk about ourselves. You should do the opposite. You should legitimately ask 50 questions and ask second and third and fourth level questions and get to know the human you're talking to, get to understand what drives them, what excites them, what hurts them, what pains them, and what they're worried about, and then figure out what you can do to add value. And if you do that and you do that consistently, you're going to build an immense army of of fans of you. And they will feel indebted to you, even though they're not. Um, and you'll have what we will call, you know, good balances and a good relationship capital account with them. And so if and when, when my show launches and I see a guest on your show, maybe I added value for you and came on your show and introduced you to a five, six, seven guest that helped you and helped you in your business. And then I give you a call and say, hey, I just launched my show. You interviewed this person. Would you make an introduction for me? And you say, well, of course, Jeff, because you think of me highly because I've done so much for you without asking and now you've helped me. And so I've used my relationship capital to elevate my own show in this example, right? And boom, then the question is, well, how did you meet so-and-so? Well, I met him because I did these other steps. And so that's a quick and dirty example of relationship capital, but it works for employment. If you want a job at a certain company, interning is a great way. I mean, how often do you hear, oh, this person started as an intern in the mailroom. That's them developing the relationship capital at the organization paying their dues and leading with value. And so it is about leading with value. It is connecting on the personal level and being more interested in them than interesting. And you should leave the conversation with them wanting to know more about you because you didn't, you didn't give them very much, but you knowing a lot about them.
1: Okay, well, I'm glad we hit on this topic and trust me, everybody, we're gonna talk about Everbold. but let's go, cause I'd love to do this because you're Jeff Finster, right? I mean, you probably don't realize it because it's you. Right. So you're like, well, what are you talking about? It's just just me. But so many people look up to you. They see you on social media. They see you on stages. Let's talk about the person who's you know, the the recent college grad or the young entrepreneur. And they're like, man, that sounds great, Jeff. But how would I ever even be able to talk to someone like you? Right. It's easy for you because you already have all of these relationships. So, yeah, you just are adding value to them. But maybe somebody's like, "I don't even have the relationship. How would somebody, and I love this question particularly, how would somebody even penetrate into your world into Jeff Finster's world, and listen, disclaimer, don't everybody do it because that's how we get the true answer from him. But how could somebody penetrate into your world world where they would even be able to have the opportunity to add value to you?
0: Well, honestly, It's never been easier. I mean, with social media, we're one click away from access to almost everybody, unless you're one of those few who don't participate in the social community. Um, So whether it's me or it's someone else that you want to get access to, you reach out on social media and you add value. And the easiest way to start doing that is get involved in the conversation. Like if I post something on social media, I'd love engagement, right? I'm doing it not for my own vanity purposes. I'm doing it to give value to the community, ask questions in in the chat, you know, under a post or in a linkedin chat or send me an email um i have courses take them ask questions share them express them reshare get involved to the point where you're adding value to the person and asking questions because if you don't ask a question then there's no there's no conversation right and the question could be hopefully something that i'm some reason you want to talk to me is, is i'm assuming it's because i'm providing something that is either going to help you or elevate you or do something to benefit you so Help me understand what that is because I want to help. I mean, that's the truth about most content providers out there and and people who go on stages, we go on stages. Sure, a lot of us can make money on stages. A lot of us can build our own personal brands while doing that. And there's selfish reasons to want to do those things because it elevates ourselves. But the truth is, and I would say this from most of my friends who who speak on stages and on podcasts, we genuinely like helping people. And it fills my cup to understand and hear from people who say, hey, Jeff, I just want to thank you so much. I got value from blank way more than some paycheck. I mean, I'm fortunate at the point in life where the paycheck doesn't impact me very much as much as the value I'm adding to others. So if you wanted to get to the root for me, Jeff Fencer, that's what it is is I want to help people and I want to hear about it. I want to be part of that story because that's what fills my cup up. So I would say that, but like if I was trying to reach out and get in front of pick your, pick your person, you know, X, Y, Z. And, and I'm in, the same shoes and flip it around and they don't know me is I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to, I'm going to learn and see what they're, what inspires them. What are they working on? If they're, you know, if they're a professional athlete and they have a charity, is it a charity that I believe in? If so, can I get involved? Can I make contributions to that? Can I help drive that initiative? Can I bring awareness to something that they want awareness to? And now I'm part of their tribe and to be part of their tribe gives me access and from access gives you that opportunity. And once you're part of the tribe, you have access to everyone they know as well.
1: I absolutely love that. And that's and such valuable advice. I remember one of my very first mentors, Michael Port, he wrote the book, Book Yourself Solid, and um, he now runs heroic public speaking. And so he you know, trains speakers and uh, he said this thing. It was kind of a throwaway thing. He was like, you know, it, when you see a speaker who's coming off of the stage, they usually get rushed by everybody with questions and you know, good job. He said, if you really wanted to get their attention, walk up to them, cut the line, and hand them a bottle of water and then just walk away. And he says, right then, like the speaker is going to be like, wow, who gave me the what, that guy? And Then when it's your turn, they're going to be like, you gave me the water. Thank you. Right. And so it fits exactly what you are talking about. And so it's a matter of finding the best way to enter the conversation so that you can begin to provide value and make those deposits, as Jeff is saying. I want to remind everybody to jump on LinkedIn, find Jeff um, and get access to the course. Super exciting. Can't wait to see um all of the programming that you're launching let's jump to EverBowl. um so you start this one restaurant um you're plugging along how do we go boom jump to now it's a franchise and you're literally crushing it so many people want to get involved well, full disclosure Um, I'm involved in a group that owns seven restaurants of Everbowl. And I get people that contact me all the time saying, how do I get involved? What do I do? This is amazing. Are you opening more stores? Um, What is causing this craze? Why is everybody so passionate about this?
0: Well, there's a lot in that question. Um, (laughs) I think uh, think that the reason it's been such a... exciting opportunity for a lot of people is number one timing right you, there's a there's a luck factor to business and to this business and 20 years ago i don't think we would have had the same love from the community and from everybody but we're on a health and wellness kick in this world today and people are understanding now that what we eat is so important and the access to that information in 2016 when i started it wasn't as prevalent you couldn't get an acai bowl in most places i would say even in san diego Two out of 10 people knew what an acai bowl is. Now today it's probably nine and a half out of 10. Um, so over the last six years, we've saw a humongous explosion in this space. And part of the reason I started Everbull was I couldn't get an acai bowl in San Diego. I used to import them and make them in my house, but I wanted to be able to go somewhere. And there was only a few small little restaurants that I knew about um, through my travels that actually sold them and how I got exposed to them. And so I thought that there was a, a gap in the in the marketplace for a Chipotle version of an acai bowl concept. Um, and that was the launch and the impetus behind Everbowl. But I think secondarily is we're not just a restaurant and we're a lifestyle. It's all about the unevolved lifestyle. If it wasn't raining and cold in San Diego today, um, you would see my unevolved shirt. But unevolved is the word we created and trademarked and it's our why. You know, It's one thing to have a cool business. It's one thing to sell good products. That's not how you grow and scale a, a true brand. Uh, you have to have something that is your lifeblood, is your North Star. And for us, it's the word unevolved, singular. And it's a word we trademarked, and it means to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. And so we promote that lifestyle. Move your body and eat real food, and you're going to be the best version of you. Everbull's tagline is made from stuff that's been around forever. And we're one component of that. You don't have to eat at Everbull. You can go to one of our competitors that does it right. I still support you. I think that's great. So we're here to promote health and wellness, we're here to promote the unevolved lifestyle. As a franchisee, getting involved with Everbull is a little unique because we're vertically integrated and it's some of the business tactics that I've deployed over my years that I've learned as part of my personal business success formula, which has allowed me to scale, grow and exit from a handful of companies. So if you have your business hat on, why Everbull? Well, Everbull is unique because instead of just being a restaurant, if you go buy a competitor of ours, you pay a franchise fee, you put their name on the wall and that's it. We actually do everything for you from the day you, you connect with us all the way through, meaning I have a construction company that builds the store for you for way less than what you can get it built on your own. It's called We Build Stuff. Um, it's one of our pegs in our stool. If you think about a stool, there's three legs. One of our three legs is, is We Build. And so we actually build every single level. We do it in seven days, which is uh, pretty remarkable. And we do it for about 50 to 60 percent less than what you can get it done on your own or what it would cost to build a competitor uh, concept. Two, we have unevolved products where we actually import our own superfoods, manufacture our own proprietary flavors and blends and products that we both sell directly to our franchisees to sell to the stores. And we also have a direct-to-consumer side, which we sell on QVC, so we're promoting the Everable brand that way. And then the third one is it's a simplified business model, meaning you don't need uh, sophisticated labor. We don't have hoods, ovens, and grease traps. You don't have to know how to cook exotic products my you know now she's 17 but when she was 14 she used to work in our stores my 14 year old could run an everable during the day meaning high school and college aged staff are able to run it so as a business it's very nice to know you have a simplified business model that's repeatable scalable and doesn't require oh my gosh i lost you know john or peggy and now my whole business is stuck and i don't know what to do it's very easy to find talent it's very easy to retrain and we do all of that under the impetus of our two main rules, which is make friends and have fun. So it's a fun, uplifting environment where we help everyone eat good food and be a better version of themselves at a very small price point. So we're not selling, you know, high price tickets of $1,000 plus. It's an 8 to $12 uh, investment to enjoy the meal, which means Everboy is for everybody. And we're not limiting it just to the super wealthy or someone who is well off. And so for all of those reasons, it's a very fun investment because there's a lot of fun things we can do. And I think that's been part of our ability to scale and scale quickly. And why we've been attracting both franchisees, investors and customers is because I think that they see and resonate with part of that story, whether it's the simplified business model as an investor or franchisee or um the fun making friends having fun unevolved lifestyle as a customer there's some piece there that connects it so Everbowl becomes available for everybody and they all want to be part of it
1: one part that you went over real quick but that i know that this audience um is already thinking right and this is the thing that really super impressed me let's talk about the ingredients it's hard to you said you, you you provide the ingredients it's hard to do that at scale without Going to high fructose corn syrup, red dye number five, it was all these things, right? And so, anytime you see it, and that's probably why you are importing everything because I didn't know that about you, like so particular about the ingredients and it all now fits. But this audience I know is very health conscious and very natural, um, organic eating. They are very thoughtful about what they're putting into their bodies. And so, when you see something that's being done at scale, It usually means that they're shortcutting because they're just trying to make it cheaper and faster, but you are very, very particular about what you are serving and about what the clients are putting into their body. Talk to us about that. What are, what's in all of these bases and what are we serving up at Everbolt?
0: Sure. And it's a, you know, it's funny, even where we are, I feel like in some ways we've had to sell out to that issue um if i'm you know i'm, I'm going to be honest with with everybody where we were with one store is not where we are with 60 but i can assure you where we are with 60 is not where our competitors are um you do have to make some sacrifices to scale it's just the unfortunate nature of it because of shelf life and manufacturing and having the ability to make it to where product can move through transit etc um there are stabilizers in our product today that were never there before luckily they're organic stabilizers and luckily they're not red dyed number 60. Um, They are still made from real products, meaning real food stuff that does have a shelf life and is found in nature and not manufactured in a laboratory. Uh, But when we originally started, it was I legitimately cut the fruit and put it in blenders and we blended it right there. Now we use a manufacturing facility where we manufacture in bulk so we can provide the ready to eat product for our customers. but we do pay attention to the ingredients and we're always making sure that it is still made from stuff that's been around forever. And it is good for us. And it's something that we would want to eat and I'd want to eat. It's just not as pure as it would be at one store, but it can't be. And, and I, I have to explain to everyone. It's like, it's not worse for you. It's just not, it's not three ingredients anymore. It's seven. Right. Um, And that's the, that's the rub that took me a long time to overcome. And, you know, as a, as a leader of an organization you have to make certain sacrifices because i had to make a decision and this is this is you know kind of going into my own uh inner demons for a second here but part of the business decisions that in your own companies you're going to have to tackle with which is i can have one two or three stores and stay true to those three ingredients or those four ingredients and that's it or I can actually achieve what my mission statement was, which was to make healthy eating affordable, filling, delicious and accessible for everybody. And in order to do that, I had to go from four ingredients to seven ingredients, but luckily it's not red dyes and it's not fake ingredients that would you know potentially cause illness and, and hurt you. You're still healthy for eating. it. It is still great um, and it's still meaningful to us. It's just, even where we are, you can probably hear it in my voice. I wish we were still just doing four. That's just the reality. But it's the same thing with all things. All it things is. that we do. Yeah. water in a in a plastic bottle. I don't want to drink water out of plastic. I don't. I want to drink water straight from a from a, a pure water, straight from a geyser or a stream. But logistically, I can't, right? So how do I get water? Well, I have to maybe get it in a glass or a plastic bottle. It's one step that I don't want to do. But we have to do it for scale. So there's those elements to it.
1: But I gotta say i mean the fruit is coming you know it's not the fruit is fresh and you know that's a consideration you have shelf life you have breakage and um all of those things having to be considered i honestly um for me to be involved i haven't found anybody that is that conscious about the product the ingredients and what they're providing um to their franchisees i mean most people would have long ago gone from seven to seventeen um, because I'm sure going to 17, you could even cut costs even further because, you know, then we can have these bases and we could probably make them last for a hundred years. We could probably make the strawberries and the apples last even longer if we sprinkled some junk on them. Um, and all of that is a no, no because of the consciousness, because of the culture of providing good quality and healthy food to the clients. Um, how do people get more information about Everbowl? So maybe they're like, what is Everbowl? How do they find a store near them? Um, and then on the flip side, what about people that might want to get involved on the business side?
0: Well, the easy answer is everbowl.com. Uh, you can learn about where our store locations are. You can learn about where stores are coming. Everbowl crafts superfood on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. Uh, plus, all of our stores have local pages, so you can learn and see what we're doing in communities. Um, And then for franchise, everable.com forward slash franchise, you can learn all about it, you know, and um, I can tell you, if you're interested in franchising, um, first, make a decision that you want to franchise and then explore Everable because franchising is different than other kinds of businesses. Uh, Franchising is a great way to grow and be part of a a tribe and be a team and have the resources. I mean, the beauty of when I started Everable, I was never going to franchise, um, I was against franchising and the reason I was against franchising initially not knowing anything about it was I always thought it meant winners and losers. And I always was unsure of like, why would I want to have a franchise when I could just start Jeff's acai balls, right? And so I had 28 corporate locations before COVID hit, COVID hit and we had to temporarily lay off 400 people and shut down 28 stores. I had private equity investors who were pushing me for two years to do franchising. Um, our business was built for franchising. And then COVID kind of forced us to franchise. And once I did, I had the epiphany and the eye opening moment where I realized, what was I waiting for? Franchising is such a better model. Because instead of me having to answer and do everything and figure out business in all these markets and be by myself as an organization, and by myself, I mean, me and my team, but just us and whoever we hire and have access to, when you open up franchising, you're bringing in entrepreneurs and business owners to your family from all across the country and potentially the globe. And now you have access to all of their knowledge, all of their capabilities, all of their resources and relationship capital, all of their experience. And they're fighting the same fight, meaning a win for me is a win for them and a win for them is a win for me. So now we've just built this dream team of incredible people to help drive the brand forward with all of us all under one mission, which is backwards on the screen to uh to push that logo and push that brand and push that why that unevolved lifestyle into more communities on a daily basis and i was like oh my gosh now i understand why fran all these brands franchise from the mcdonald's all the way through and it took me a while it was like that was my learning so i would advise people sitting who are listening to this or considering business learn about franchising go watch the founder from about mcdonald's and go understand why franchising is so amazing to be part of that kind of a community. And then all the business that comes outside of that, right? We have franchisee summits and we got to bring all of our franchisees in a, into a room. And we, we did learnings there and we did roundtables and we did conversations and we had fun. And we had an entertainment night with comedians and dinner and we got to know each other personally. And you know how many new businesses are going to be spun out of that room from relationships that were forged in that room? And just the ability to spread across the knowledge that comes from geographical locations, like how business is done in the South is very different than how business is done in the Northeast and the Northwest and the Texas. And it's just different, right? And so rather than me pay the dummy tax as, a, as an operator, as I grow and scale into these markets, I get to partner with people who already know how to do business in these markets and are crushing it. And they get to join me and together we build this brand and together we move forward and I study a lot from public companies. That's one of my secrets in business. And I recommend you do the same in your niche, whatever it is. You know, I'm in restaurants right now, so I can go and listen to McDonald's and Chipotle and Domino's and listen to their quarterly calls with their CEO and CFO and hear what they're thinking about and how they're addressing challenges and problems. And that's one of the business hacks I recommend everyone do. What I learned from McDonald's is incredible. I mean, they're they're vertically integrated even more than I am, from the real estate to the toys that they manufacture. I mean, they're the largest toy manufacturer in the world from the, from the uh, Happy Meal, the chicken farms that they have. And so I started stealing some vertical integration concepts from them. Um, I started to learn about all the different models that franchising works with, and it enables and empowers us. And so it also cuts our cost, our buying power, so you have lower costs as an operator when you have a bigger franchise community. And so I say all this because... I was wrong. And it took me a handful of years of thinking I knew what I what I was what I thinking I knew what I wanted and that I was right to stay away from it to realize Oh my gosh, franchising is incredible. And so once we went to franchising, it's been like now I'm my only regret is I didn't do it sooner. And once you get to that phase, then there's lots of options. And then I highly recommend you check us out and see if what you know, if you believe in the uninvolved lifestyle, I mean, part of the franchising scrutiny that you do you're going to scrutinize us and we're going to scrutinize you because once we do franchising together we're a family and there's going to be good times there's going to be bad times there's going to be black spawn events hopefully not another one for years to come but the COVID situation um and then there's going to be riding high times where we're, we we you know the wind is at our backs and there's smooth smooth seas in front of us um and we want to make sure that we want to we want to go into that together and so it's a it's a mutually uh mutual scrutiny and a mutual review and assuming we both get out the other side we we love to bring great people into the Everbowl community and family and continue to grow.
1: And there's just absolutely amazing people involved that go beyond Jeff. You have the Everbowl team, you've got Brian, Haley, you've got a, a great team around you. You have great investors um, that also bring a lot to the table. Look, uh, as a as a selfish plug, we we have our store. So if you're in Chattanooga, Tennessee, our store there is open. Jeff, we typically win all of the seasonal bull sales contests. Um, Christian, our manager there, absolutely killed that. We're due to open here soon in Little Rock. And then we're coming to Austin, Texas, and as well, um, Nashville, Tennessee. And I think that's one of the things that drew my business partner, um, Michael Chandler, into the deal. And we're super excited to have him working alongside with us. And um, when you see that people that are health conscious, that are entrepreneurs, They see a great business model, but they see an opportunity to make an impact in the world. And this is the marriage of those. Um, And as a franchisor in the chiropractic space and a franchisee in the Everbull space, and now we're opening a new uh, concept as a franchisor as well, um, everything that Jeff says is absolutely True. I want to wholeheartedly encourage you because, I, you know, a lot of people dream about it. I know that even my parents were like, oh, you know, maybe we could own a subway or, you know, people think about like, I would love to own a, a franchised entity, a franchised business because of that, the community and the support. Well, I got to tell you, Everball makes it extremely easy for you. So if you're on the fence and you're like, oh, this has kind of been a dream of mine, I want you to reach out to Jeff and his team. Um, and explore that opportunity. And if you just like eating healthy desserts that your kids are going to think you are amazing, go and find the nearest store um, and help yourself to a bowl. Your life will be eternally changed. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here and share with the audience.
0: Oh, well, thank you. As I said, I mean, obviously I'm a huge fan of you. and, And as I said, your show, and these are the kinds of, these are the, this is that other hack, right? I mean, this is the thing that when I'm on stage and I get asked, hey, can you give me one or two pieces of advice? It's go listen to podcasts and go listen to good podcasts where you get the conversation with different operators and different business titans and whatever your niche is. If it's not business, it could be about relationships. It could be about whatever topic you want. But this one-on-one that we're having here hopefully is eye-opening for someone listening, whether they're in their car or they're at their gym, um, they're sitting at their desk and they're trying to find ways to break out from whatever rut they're in or whatever challenges in front of them. Uh, You know, I've learned so much from others, everything I do and everything that all my success has kind of been from the learnings that I've learned while observing other people and trying to not pay that dummy tax. And so I just I want to thank you again for the opportunity to come on and uh, be part of your show. Absolutely.
1: Anytime. Jeff Fenster, founder of Everble. Make sure you check him out. Um, and if he has impacted your life, we don't always say this, but because you said that earlier, if he has impacted your life on this podcast, reach out to him. I'm sure he'd appreciate hearing from you. I'm sure he'd appreciate knowing what you took out of this and how he's made an impact on you and your business. I don't know how we're going to top this one, Jeff, but we're going to certainly try again next week. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We'll be back again next Wednesday, with a brand new edition of the None of Your Business Podcast.